Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. This is Unnecessary Roughness. You got to score points to win. You can't win without scoring points. Touchdown Raiders! He went right through the line and gives Vegas a touchdown to extend the lead. Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. Here's your boy Q. Mailman Raider hit us up as we start off the second hour of Unnecessary Roughness here on Raider Nation Radio 920. He hit us up on the dopeybroke.com text line at 69187, keyword R&R. Nah, Q, I've been a day one hooker and I'm still a hooker. The only way I don't want hooker is if we bring in Lamar. Can't trade that far up, question marks, when we got all these holes. That's from Mailman Raider. Uh, good job on wordplay there, and of course those will never die. But I'm not mad at you, Hendon Hooker. That's a guy that most likely will be late first round. I don't think he's going to fall into day two anymore. I thought at one point, because of the uh, the ACL tear, he had dropped to, to round two, maybe even round three. Oh, how I was wrong. There's plenty of teams that are high on Hendon Hooker, including the Raiders, so I can see that. You know, but we all know that Hendon Hooker, and, and most likely all these rookie quarterbacks, if they to, are to join the Raiders, there has to be some kind of uh, uh, a veteran in front of them, right? I, I do think C.J. Stroud and Bryce Young could compete to start right away day one. I think that'd be exciting. For the fan base, I think guys like, you know, Devontae Adams and Darren Waller and Hunter Renfro and Josh Jacobs, I think they'd like to go out there and compete with these guys as well, right? Especially if they, you know, they, they feel like that they, they have the goods and they'll know that during training camp. Like Devontae Adams might say, hey, I'm excited to work with C.J. Stroud. Then all of a sudden training camp comes and C.J. Stroud can't hit the side of a building. Devontae be like, you know what? <laughs> Y'all need to put that veteran in because this ain't going to get it done with this guy. I mean, look, that that's all you know yet to be seen, obviously, depending on who they go get. But uh, Hendon Hooker with the torn ACL, you don't want to rush him back, even though he's progressing pretty quickly. Remember, he tore the ACL at the end of the, the, the year, like in December, late in the college football season. So uh, I didn't expect for him to get much burn this year, if any. I still feel the same way because, again, you don't want to rush him back onto the field. You want to make sure that he's fully healthy. He says he's going to start throwing in like a week or two. It's something that he said uh, at the combine. We have sound from Hendon Hooker. We'll actually bring that up a little bit later on the show. So I'm not mad at that. I think in that case, and I think really in any of these cases, you sign Jarrett Stidham as a priority. He's a guy that knows the system. And I know Jimmy G knows the system, but it's been a few years. Jarrett Stidham played in it last year. He's been in it his whole time that he's been in the league. So I think you sign Jarrett Stidham. If you get one of these hotshot quarterbacks that you think could be an eventual starter this year, then you let him compete, battle it out in camp, and go from there. If you get someone like a Hendon Hooker who you think, okay, well, they don't even have a chance to start until next year, maybe you do look at uh, another quarterback that's another veteran that you feel like can hold it down for a year and give you a chance to compete. I mean, there's so many different options. I said it on my podcast today. I think everything is on the table. We'll get out to the phone lines in a hot minute at 702-365-9200. I know my man Mitch in New Jersey is waiting. We'll get to you in a hot second. But before we do, I want you to hear what C.J. Stroud had to say to Vinny Bonsignor. Vinny was Johnny on the spot, caught up to him while he was just waiting to go on the next set and actually talk to whoever. I think it was NFL Network or CBS Sports, whatever the case may be. And Vinny got a, a chance to catch up with him real quick. Here was that conversation. C.J., so while people it. have said the running thing, when I watched him, the manipulation of the pocket, 
it's like you have eyes all over your head. I mean, where does that come from? That kind of innate feeling to feel the pocket and move around and, and uh, create. To be honest with you, I mean, I, I, other than Ohio State, I never really had a good line. Uh, so I had to kind of build that in my, my fourth time, my, my playing uh, stuff. So, uh, that's something I built like a youth ball going into high school. And in college, I got, I, I kind of actually helped my linemen, even when they, they're great. But when they did, everybody has mistakes and messes up. So I tried to make them clean and be, be quarterback friendly. So, um, and that's something I pride myself on is and really not looking down the line of scrimmage, but just kind of feeling it. And that's something that I, God bless me with that talent. I cover the Raiders. I know they like you. Uh, what was it like sitting down with Josh and, and Dave and, and their staff? It was good. I mean, you can tell they're kind of stern. They're kind of straightforward. They, they, they do what they do, and, and they have uh, really um, no remorse for that. And, and, and as a coach, tell, you can tell that they just love football. So um, that's something that I kind of peeked from them and just had some good, honest conversation. And uh, interviewing really well. Las Vegas is not far from where you grew up. Right. Uh, could you see, envision yourself there and playing on the West Coast? Yeah, man, I would love to be close to home. Um, but at the end of the day, I, it's not in my control. I can just be myself wherever I do go. Uh, but yeah, that's something that I think would be awesome. Thank you, man. Thank you. CJ Stroud, very businesslike right there. He knew it was, a, it was a job interview. He knew what he was there in Indianapolis to do. He wasn't in, the, in Indianapolis to have a good time and shake hands and kiss babies and make a bunch of friends. He was there to handle his business, and that's something that he did. I came out away from the combine and what I saw on Saturday as he's quarterback number one for me. That doesn't mean he's quarterback number one for you, which is fine. But I do want to know, has your feelings changed on who the Raiders started quarterback should be in 2023 based off the combine? If so, who is it? Or you could be like Mailman Raider who said, no, I've been a hooker since day one. I'm staying a hooker. I'm okay with that. Whatever the case may be, you let us know how you feel right now on this Monday about the quarterback of the future for the Raiders. And that doesn't necessarily mean that that's going to be the starter. The quarterback of the future is going to be the starter to start off 2023. But just want to know who you think that they should be, who that quarterback of the future should be uh, based off of where we're at at this point. Let's go out to the phone lines, hustle up, and talk to our guy Mitch in New Jersey. Welcome to the show. What's on your mind? Yo, Mitch. Oh, sorry. How you doing? Bless. What's up, Doc? Uh, yeah, I got to take my grandson. He's running the field. I got to go to the emergency room. I just want to say, uh, where did catch Josh? Where did it go for Anthony Richardson? He's in the other jazz, Josh Allen. I love him giving Anthony Richardson. Thanks for taking my call. I, I know. I, it's my nerves. This calls my nerves somehow. All right. Thank you. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Hopefully your uh, grandson's okay. Get him to the doctor. Uh, you know, kids run fevers at times. That, that's going to happen, but he's going to be all right. Uh, the doctors will take care of him. But uh, Anthony Richardson, Devon, he's got Anthony Richardson high on his list, and it's so easy. It is so e- It was so easy for me to watch on Saturday and really just like ooh and awe when he just threw that ball and just flicked his wrist and let that thing rip. But I also realize that just because you can throw that thing and make it look pretty like that doesn't mean that you're going to be a great starting quarterback in the NFL. So I tried to temper the expectations while I was watching. Sometimes people were just being big party poopers on Saturday where after he ran the 40, I just tweeted out hooting and hollering. And it's just like, oh, but is that going to? he's not going to be able to break down the defense from a 40 time. It's like, man, for right now, for today, I don't care. You know, and that's the thing about <laughs> The thing is, no, seriously, the thing is, is those interviews, like we all knew he was going to be super athletic. We knew he was going to wow everyone with his 40. We knew he was going to jump out the gym. We knew he was going to do all that. There was never a question. We knew his arm strength was there. The questions are the interview process, the whiteboard, getting down and talking to the coaches. We're not available for that, right? We're not in those meetings. They're not on NFL Network. We can't go in behind the scenes. This is the meeting that the Raiders have with Anthony Richardson. You, You don't get those. So really, for him, and from the reports I saw, and they're just reports, he did really well in the interview process. So i got to give him a lot of credit for that. I don't know that. I didn't witness that. But what I witnessed, it made me say, 
wow, <laughs> he's pretty awesome. But I, you know, and, and I don't want to say this, and I don't want anyone to take this incorrectly. I remember seeing Jamarcus Russell kill it too. He killed it, threw the ball all over the yard, had a great combine throw. I mean, he was the dude, and he wasn't worth the salt as a quarterback. Not comparing the two, just saying it's easy to fall in love with someone who just wows you at the combine, and then all of a sudden you turn on the film, and they're not really who they are. The thing with Anthony Richardson, like I've been saying the whole show, he just needs experience. Yeah, he just needs the experience. And also with Jamarcus Russell, I think that was more of a character issue it was, more than, it any, was, than but anything. It's, it's just that the fact that he had the big arm and, you know, everyone said, oh, he could throw the ball 70 yards from a knee. And I fell for it. I was like, oh, this is awesome. I was so team Jamarcus Russell. You couldn't tell me nothing. Like, his, you could have been his coach and been like, Q, he's not that good. And I'd been like, you're a lie. You are a lie. <laughs> I mean, seriously. Like, he could have told 70 me. 70 yards on his knees yeah, at the pro day. Exactly. Jamarcus could have came to me and said, Q, I'm really not that good. I would have been like, you're lying to you yourself you should never lie to yourself that's humility right there (laughs) you're just trying to be humble i get it right exactly i mean look i was all the way team jamarcus so i'm i'm not trying like i said i don't want to put the same i'm not trying to put the same juju on anthony richardson i just know that you know just because it looks good at the combine in shorts and t-shirts with no pass rush no defenders Sometimes it could be easier. So I don't want to, you know, I don't want to get too caught up and overwhelmed and, and, and all into the fact that, you know, he was able to do that. I do think that he's going to be a quarterback that someone's going to fall in love with and may have fallen in love with by what they did at the Combine and say, yeah, we're the coaching staff that can coach him up. That's all it takes. No, and, 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 and maybe they are. Maybe they have an opportunity to let him go out there and play. I think a team that doesn't have high expectations to go deep into the playoffs – I think it'd be ideal for him to go out there and start. But like Tony Pauline told us in the first hour, if you put him in the wrong situation and he regresses, then you're really in trouble. So that's, that's something that you have to be aware of as well. But we want to hear from you, 702-365-9200. Speaking of, I'll say this real quick, a little side note. We'll go out to the phone lines. I don't know who said it, but somebody – this is how words get so confused – is that <laughs> – so, no, you know what? I'm not going to say it because someone's going to say that I said it again. I'm not going to say it. I'm not going to leave it alone. 702-365-92. I'm just going to leave it alone. It was something that was talked about that apparently we were saying on this show last week that we definitely did not say, and I don't know where it came from. So I'm going to leave it alone because someone will say, see, he said it again. So I'm not. I'm, <laughs> I'm just going to leave my better, my better judgment just jumped on my shoulder and was like, nah, don't do it, Q. Just leave it alone. Sometimes you just got to leave it alone. Who's up next, Damon? Fargo Raider. Fargo, welcome to the show, dog. Hey, what's up, Q and Demond? Well, damn it, now I want to know too. <laughs> you know, I'm one of them guys that's like, hey, you can't tease me like that. Now I'm gonna be digging hell and earth trying to figure it out. <laughs> I'm have to go back through some tweets or whatever. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. You, you'll find it, dog. You'll find it. <laughs> ah, man, somebody's we, always got something to say. When you see that tweet you know that I mean? says, "Where the hell did you get that from?" I definitely did not say that. Then you know you've arrived. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, yes sir. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll kick it off like this. I, I have never been one of a mind to say that our Savior is in this draft. I didn't see it. I haven't heard anybody else see it. I saw that there was definitely some good guys and a very, some very good projected starters eventually, but that, that would mean we'd have to be patient. Mm-hmm. I don't know about you guys, but 30 years of patience, we don't have very much patience left, you know? I'm more of the school where... Take those picks, get some defense, and then we could do what the Niners do and plug in any pretty boy we could find with the, with the perfect jawline. It don't even matter if he stays on the field or not, you know? 
that's what you get when you get with the Jimmy G. You got a number two defense, hell, you could plug in me. All I got to do is just throw a couple couple of uh, passes on the slants and then Debo will take care of the rest. <laughs> I'm sitting here like, let's go get steady. Let's look at something next year. If we can get in there, I don't see why we would trade up. And then I just wanted to throw this out there. Okay. For everybody who was saying and complaining, oh, you know, $35 million, $40 million is too much. You know what's too much? 10 years, 11 years of rouletting through dang quarterbacks like your Matt Flynn and Terrell Pryor, who ended up being a receiver in Cleveland. In Cleveland, people, Cleveland. Cleveland ain't nobody. They turned him into a receiver. He was our quarterback. So, you know, when you want to say that it's too expensive, a bird in the hand is worth two in the bush. Now those $35 million look like a deal if we end up going for – you know, some guy who doesn't give us anything in return like I know a Jimmy G will. You know what I mean? If we want a guy to, to warm the bench, at least bring Mariota back. At least half the nation has his jersey already. <laughs> Thank you for taking my call, and you have a good one. All right, thanks. Side note on Terrell Pryor, I had his jersey. <laughs> it was so clean. It was so clean. It was the white away jersey, number two on it. It was so clean. I remember I went to Baylor one day in it, right? I went there, we were going to practice, and I didn't know that we were supposed to go. So I just wore it to the to the station that day because the Raiders were playing. So I was like, I'm just going to rock this jersey. And then Smokey said, oh, Q, I need you to run over to Baylor and record this practice or talk to these players. Well, normally I wouldn't go over there in a football jersey, right? I mean, I'm trying to be professional. But I got caught slipping, so I went over there, and uh, that's when Kaz Gazzotti was the strength and conditioning uh, he was the coach then, and he was out there on the practice field early, and he saw me walk in with that, that prior jersey on. He said, hey, man, hey, is that Terrell Pryor? Is, is Terrell Pryor at our practice? And he starts yelling this, right? And he was like, did you just trade your get job in for some tattoos? Like, he started getting on me. It was hilarious. And the players that were already out there at practice were dying. But he, I mean, he stayed on me for a good five minutes about that Terrell Pryor jersey and talking about tattoo gate and this, that, and the other. Man, if you wanted some tattoos, you should have just told me. You didn't have to give up your jersey for a tattoo. I mean, everything. <laughs> he was he was on me tough. So yeah, that was the day I got caught slipping in the Terrell Pryor jersey. But uh, yeah, I had his. That's that's how many doors have been uh, open and closed when it comes to the Raiders and their quarterback position over the years. Where Terrell Pryor, like Fargo Raiders said, who did eventually end up becoming a wide receiver, a better wide receiver than a quarterback in Cleveland. He went to Cincinnati, wasn't worth the salt there, and then his really his career just kind of fell off. But thank you for that call, Fargo. I appreciate you. Thanks for the memory. Let's go back out to the phone lines, talk to our guy, Raider Mac. Welcome to the show, my man. What up, Q? What's up, Demar? Chilling. Hey, Q, hey, I want to thank you guys for last week. I just listened to all the combine stuff. It was great. I didn't want to call in because I just wanted to hear everything. and It was so much stuff that was going on last week on the show with all the guests and you guys doing all the stuff in the combine. It was great, man. I loved it. Thank you guys. You you guys did an excellent job. Man. Appreciate you. Just want to put that out first. Q, you know, you, you just talked about my boy, uh, um, Bryce Young. You said he didn't throw, he didn't have to throw Q. You know why? Because hmm. Tate don't lie. And I'm just telling I'm just telling the Raider Raider, Brad, this is what I want to let them know is that I, they might not listen to us or whatever, but at the end of the day, man, just watch the tape. Stop drafting guys that 
in shorts that Al used to do that. He had an issue with that. If you ran a 4-3 or 4-2, he would draft you. Go look at all the drafts. Oh, there's no doubt. There's no doubt. Anthony, I'll tell you right this. All, all due respect to... All due respect to Al Davis, no doubt. Anthony Richardson would be a Raider if Al Davis was still alive right now. There's no doubt. No, no. Walker, uh, what's his name, the kid, the DB from Michigan that ran the 426? DJ Turner. Yeah, DJ DJ Turner. DJ Turner would have been drafted. Here's my thing, Q. As far as quarterback, I know we we can move up, but we're not going to do it. So just go with what we have. I mean – I, I'm not sold on Richardson. I watched the SEC all. That's mm-hmm. my that's my division. Right. I watched that all year. I'm not sold on him. I'm the guy I'm sold on, but he got hurt. Was Hooker? I mean, mm. I think you should take him and let him sit for a little while. Hooker was 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 better. Richardson, he's. I mean, he's okay. But Q, here's here's my thing. Here's my thing about and uh, about Derek Carr too. I, I just want you know. When you leave, leave with class. My my mother and grandmother used to always say, leave with class. Don't take shots at organizations because, you know, that, that that old saying, once a Raider, always a Raider, I, I agree to a certain point. But my thing is, don't take shots at us because you went to, you went to a, a lower division. You didn't want that smoke in the AFC. That's why you didn't go to the Jets or you didn't want to play in New York. And, and, and the last thing, Q, we – have to get better in the secondary. We've got to get some DBs in the draft. Forget all this free agent stuff, man. Mm-hmm. Bradbury, do not draft. I mean, I know you like him. I liked him last year. I liked him last year. <laughs> I liked him yeah, last okay. year, not this, this year. Yesterday's this money ain't today's got, money. <laughs> he, got he got smoked a lot last year. You know, but but I'm just going to let you know is that my thing is we just got to go based on where – where the kids play, look at the tape. Stop drafting guys in shorts that can throw and do all this stuff. Watch the tape. The tape don't lie. Bill Parcells said it himself. I watch the tape. That's what I go by, and I'm out. All right, good stuff, good stuff. Yeah, I was a big Bradbury guy last year, and he did some good things. I mean, he, he still had four or five interceptions for the uh, the Eagles. He did some good things. He got he got burned sometimes as well, and that's going to happen. But he did make plays. Uh, but no, if they didn't want him last year, they're not going to want him this year. He's a year older and he wants more money. There's no way that that's going to happen. So uh, believe me, he's not even on my radar. And I'm, I'm with you. Uh, go draft a, a DB. The, the quarterbacks in this draft are, are very deep, right? I mean, you can get one with your first pick. If you don't get a quarterback at seven, they might end up going and getting uh, uh, Gonzalez, right? I mean, that, that DB, he showed out. And speaking of defense and DBs, Deontay Lee from The Athletic, he'll join us at 3.30 to talk about the combine and talk all things defense. Let's hustle up real quick and get one more call in. How about we talk to Stove? Welcome to the show. What's on your mind, brother? Hey, it's uh, Joe from L.A. How are you? Or Joe from L.A. What's up, dog? <laughs> good, good, good. Uh, so, Q, I know the question you asked was who impressed you at the uh, combine, and I'm with you. I, I don't think Richardson would make a good fit at least in my opinion, for the Raiders, but to be an excellent fit down the line for somebody. But he out, he, he stood out for me uh, in a lot of different ways. You know, when I saw an interview, which I don't know if you saw, when he talked about that he no longer wants anybody to refer to him as AR-15 because of the connotation about yeah. the assault rifle. So when he spoke about that, but the way he spoke about it, was it seems like this is a young kid, and we got to remember, I believe he's only 20. Am I correct in that? I believe so, yeah. He's a very young dude. 
Right. And but you hear him speak and you hear the responsibilities that he's had and the way he took care of his younger brother who he still considers like his younger son. This kid has a good head on his shoulders. I, I love what he did on the combine and like everybody's been speaking about, you know, you have the underwear Olympics going on the combine, you know, and I, I truly believe what you said that if Al Davis was around, that would have he would have been a Raider. I love the kid. I don't necessarily think he'd be a right fit for the Raiders. But C.J. Stroud is somebody that stood out for me that we hope he would fall into seven. And I don't know if we go all in on C.J. Stroud based upon the fact that we have so many holes in defense. And that's what the scary thing is. I don't envy this job by the Raiders of having to fill all those positions that pick potentially a future quarterback. Now, the only thing that upsets me moving forward is that I always hear every combine, the last two combines with specifically Josh McDaniels, that he is going to conform or fit to the Raiders that we have. Well, he said the same thing about Derek Carr, and I didn't see that. So I'm always afraid who he decides to draft and whether or not that will be a right for, for the Raiders, or like you said, that potentially if he goes to a wrong organization, that organization may ruin a great quarterback that could have been a great quarterback. So I don't know what your thoughts were on that. Oh, good stuff, man. Thank you for the call. I appreciate you. Now, that's the thing, man. I mean, a lot of times we look at these players and just squarely look at the players and say, yeah, they're a boom or a bust. A lot of times it has to do with where they go as well. An organization can ruin a, a player if they don't get the right people around them that understand how to use them to the best of their ability. And, you know, that's the thing about it. These coaches need to, if they're going to draft a guy, study that guy and know what makes him tick, what makes him go, what does he do really well. I always go back to this, what I thought Hugh Jackson did really well, and I thought there were some things he did bad, but there were some things he did really well. And what I thought that was was sit down all his playmakers. You can go back and look at those Hugh Jackson-led Raider teams. They didn't have just the – he didn't have the Tim Browns and the Jerry Rices and the Rich Gannons. He wasn't working with all those cats. He was working with some dudes that had some ability, but you had to figure out how to put them in the best position to succeed. And he was able to do that with McFadden, with guys like Jacoby Ford, uh, guys like Lewis Murphy, uh, guys like uh, who was 17. I always call, I always say 17 because I forget his name. Um, anyway, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, that Guys like that. Denarius Moore. Yes, Denarius Moore from East Texas. Yes, Denarius Moore. Guys like that. Guys that weren't necessarily household names, but he put, put them in the best position to succeed. That's what coaches have to do. That's their responsibility is to figure out what these guys do best and go ahead and put them in a position to succeed. Now, that doesn't mean you can't teach them your system and try to get them to do what you want them to do as well, but at the same time, sprinkle in what they do well so they're comfortable. Put them in a good position to succeed. Speaking of position to succeed, uh, everyone thought, at least I thought, that the Seahawks were going to be picking number one overall because they let Russell Wilson go to Denver. Instead, they all they did is go to the playoffs with Geno Smith, and they rewarded Geno Smith with a three-year, $105 million contract, including $52 million in the first year. So Geno Smith, and that's from our guy Jordan Schultz. Uh, he put that out first. Now Adam Schefter's got it, but our guy Jordan Schultz, I ran into him in India as well, uh, does a fantastic job for the score. Uh, really good NFL insider, NBA insider. And, uh, yeah, three years, $105 million contract for Geno Smith. It's not breaking the bank. It's not breaking the bank, but, man, it's not a bad gig, right? You, you're Geno Smith. You haven't done anything in your NFL career but get punched in the jaw. That's all you've really done, and you go out and have a good season after uh, post-Russell Wilson in Seattle, and you get rewarded with a three-year, $105 million deal. So there's another free agent quarterback that's off the market. 
But it goes to what you just said about, hey, sometimes it's not the player's fault about, hey, it's not just is this guy boom or bust. Sometimes it's are you in the right situation? Right. Was the Jets the right situation for him to be the next guy up in that New York market? Maybe the coaching staff didn't really work out for him. Didn't have to be a backup, 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 backup. All he needed was that one shot, a team that they don't, they didn't expect the world from him, mm-hmm. but he still over-delivered. Remember, was that that Monday night football game? They wrote you off. I didn't write back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now three years, $100 million. I'm proud of you, though, Smith. Man. No, that's, I, that's a real good story. It is a good story yeah. because he kept grinding. He kept grinding and, and said that you're not going to tell me I can't do it. And, again, it's not the you know, $150, $250 million with a $100 million guarantee, but it's a nice payday, man. <laughs> three three years, $102 million with $50 million on, in the first year? That's okay. Sign that, me up right now. That's what I'm saying. That's a good That's a good little gig. So shout out to Geno Smith. And, again, like I said, more importantly, I think that's another – quarterback that's off the free agent market. That was a guy that I thought the Jets were going to be in on as well. Who knows what happens with Aaron Rodgers if they end up getting him or if they go after Jimmy G. But slowly but surely, before the draft, before uh, free agency even opens up, quarterbacks are going off the board. DC's gone. Jets aren't going to have him now. Geno Smith's gone. Jets can't have him. Aaron Rodgers, who knows what's going on with him, will probably hear something tomorrow. Who knows, right? So that it's, again, these, these teams are taking care of of their business ahead of time. We got this text from uh, Lil J and KC. He said, uh, what up? The combine didn't change anything for me. Tape don't lie. Young, CJ, Richardson in that order. We have a coach that can develop a quarterback. Let's let him do do it. Josh Allen, Dante Culpepper feel like comps, uh, comps more than Russell for Richardson, in my humble opinion. I, that'll work. That's fine. I just remember all the oohing and on when it came to Jamarcus and his arm. That, that's, that's why I brought up Jamarcus, because I was a big fan of him, because he had the big arm. That's why I brought him up. Uh, also got another text. Dude calling in saying, watch the tape because the tape don't lie. But Marcus Johnson from Tape Don't Lie thinks Richardson is QB1 for the Raiders in this draft, LOL. Uh, East Bay Raider Gray said, next year the Raiders will still have to trade up to get a quarterback. It's still going to cost a huge haul to move up. If they're picking a uh, high again next year, something went really wrong. This year is the year to get a quarterback in the draft. That's from East Bay Raider Gray. And, I mean, that's the risk that you run, right? I mean, and, and that's why when you're in the top 10 drafting, you have to take advantage of it because you don't want to be back in the top 10 next year. And I don't know if they will be or not, but like East Bay Raider Gray said, if they are, then something went wrong, meaning they lost a lot of games. You don't want to be in that position. Now, luckily for Seattle, they had the trade that put them in a good position to be early in the draft. And other teams like Philadelphia, what, they picked 10th? They picked 10th. They were in the Super Bowl because of trades, right? I mean, so they're, they're, they have a high pick. I, I don't remember the Saints pick. Saints, yeah, they have the Saints pick, right? Yeah. So they pick what at, at number 10, 10 or 11, one of those two. But they pick really high up, and they're the Super Bowl team. So that doesn't happen very often. But, uh, you know, it's just it's, it's one of those things. So if you have a position to go get a quarterback, go get them. But at the same time, like we've been cautioning, don't go get a guy just because you need a quarterback. Don't force it if you're not sold on them. And from talking to Dave Ziegler and Josh McDaniels over the week in Indianapolis – that's exactly what they're not going to do. They're not going to force the issue. They'll let the game and the board come to them. 3.26 is the time. When we come back, we'll focus in on the defensive side of things when it comes to the combine. Deontay Lee from The Athletic will join the show. It's Radio Nation Radio 920. Now back to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q on Raider Nation Radio. Threw the question out there to you. Has your feelings changed on who the Raiders starting quarterback should be in 2023 or really the quarterback of the future? They may have a stopgap guy as a starting quarterback. They may throw a veteran in there for a season, you know, maybe even two seasons. But really, the quarterback of the future, as the Raiders are picking at number seven and most anticipate them drafting a quarterback in this year's draft. But we'll see how it all plays out. Anything could happen. So has your feelings changed based off what you saw 
at the scouting combine? If so, how has it changed? Who's the quarterback? Let us know. Again, 69187, keyword R&R. Now we want to turn our attention to the defensive side of things when it comes to the combine. And joining us now on the phone lines from The Athletic is our good friend Deontay Lee. And Deontay, thanks so much for your time. We appreciate you as always. And spent a week in Indy. It was a great experience being out there. And uh, there were some dogs out there on the defensive side of things. A lot of them came from Georgia. But there were a lot of dogs in general that were out there on the on the field in Indy. So as far as the defensive guys, and we'll start with the defensive backs, uh, how about Devin Witherspoon? He's actually a guy who didn't participate because of a hamstring injury, but is anticipated to be a really high draft pick. Uh, what are your thoughts on him as a, as a corner, especially a guy that can play man-to-man on the next level? I mean, I think that that's the, that's the sales pitch, right? Like, And I think that this defensive class, you know, this draft class in general, um, it's kind of fascinating because there is a lack of, I would say, those tier one blue chip, you know, special movers type. You know, when you think about the 40-yard dash, you think about the three-cone, you know, you look at explosive scores with the vertical and broad jump. Those guys are kind of sparse. I think that you kind of see some flatness in terms of, like, how how athletic these guys are. A lot of them are similar, but not a lot of them are special. So I think a guy like Witherspoon, that's the reason why we see him climb so much over the last couple of months within the draft pro- uh, pre-draft process. You know, and you watch his tape and you see somebody who's comfortable playing tight coverage, you know. You see somebody who can deal with playing at the line of scrimmage, playing off and mirroring guys, um, somebody who can make plays, you know, when the ball is in the air. I think for him the biggest question to answer is going to be a matter of where his health is at, you know. What are his medicals? Um, you know, how long or how, how comfortable are teams going to feel with the longevity of his career as somebody who has had some injury concerns? That's where I think the biggest question is to answer for him. But if you turn on the tape and what we expect of him athletically, he's certainly going to check the boxes for you at corner. Well, I'll tell you, he was the last guy that talked at the podium because of the medicals. He was going through it, and then uh, then we found out the next day he wasn't going to participate because of the hamstring injury. So that goes back to what you're saying about his injury and his injury history and the concerns he has health-wise. Is there a corner that you're looking at or you're focusing on where you think that that's DB number one, and if a team gets him, they got them a guy that's going to be a corner store corner, a corner stone corner for quite a while? Um, I would say Christian Gonzalez has been the guy for me. You know, I, I've been beating the drum on Keely Ringo throughout the pre-draft process, um, and I still think that there's a there are a lot of pathways for that guy to be um, a thriving corner at the next level. But when you want to talk about a fullness of a skill set, having all the athletic ability, you know, the size, he's 6'2", he does clear the 200-pound mark, which lets me know that he's going to be able to deal with the more physical receivers in the league. And then you turn on his tape and you see somebody who can work in the slot and in the per- and on the perimeter, you know, you're talking about playing for Dan Lanning, so somebody off of that Kirby Smart Georgia tree where you're going to get a full menu of coverages and asks in terms of responsibility, and that was something that he was very comfortable with. So I would say that he's at the top of the board for me when you look at the corner position. Um, it's somebody I think if you're looking at potential outcomes, whether or not he becomes a star, I think is situation dependent, as is with a lot of these guys, but I think that you would be hard-pressed to find an outcome where this guy is not going to be a solid to serviceable corner at worst, the number two type of corner at the NFL level. How high would you be uh, comfortable with drafting him? Well, I mean, as an Eagles fan, I would like for him to be there at number 10. (laughs) (laughs) I know that's right. To be candid, you know, but I would say that, I would say that in that 10 to 15 range is about where we can expect it. I think that as this, um, as this thing kind of plays on, especially with the veteran quarterbacks, I think what we're going to find is um, there's going to be a lot of emphasis for teams to try to trade into the top five to go get quarterbacks. I think it's going to, there's going to be a squeeze on it. I think we're going to see the market really heat up in the next month or so as the smoke screens start coming out. And now that you know, these guys have done some interviews and you start getting closer to draft day and 
teams start getting anxious about getting their guy. So I would say that after that early run on quarterbacks, I think there'll be a run on edge rushers because that will be the next premium position. And then after that, I would say a corner like a Christian Gonzalez or a Devin Witherspoon will probably be the next guy up. So I would not be surprised if when we get past number 10 or two number 10, the next, the next five or so picks, we're going to see a couple of corners come off the board there. Talking right now with Deontay Lee from The Athletic here on Raider Nation Radio 920 and SA Rough. This my man DeMond's got one for you. I feel like no one had a better showing at the Combine than Nolan Smith. How much do you think he helped his draft stock with not only the work that he put out on the field and the drills, but also the work that he put on the podium where he was basically selling, hey, if you were, if you were a recruit that wants to get drafted, go to Georgia. I mean, I loved every, every time they put a microphone in front of him. I feel like Kirby Smart you know, needs to make sure that the NIL team had something nice for him on the way out, man. <laughs> you know, because he, he did about as good a job at selling the program as you could. And then I think that for him, being a guy who we knew was going to weigh in sub-250 pounds and is a high-motor guy, you want to see that it's not just a matter of effort, but that he has some elite movement traits. And being able to go out there and run the 40 that he did, I think was exactly what he needed to check off. You know, I think that that's probably why. He was on the phone, like we saw on TV, probably talking to his agent or his personal trainer that let him know, hey, you did what you needed to do, everything else that they need to evaluate, they have on tape. And I think that, you know, as much as we're joking about how he sold Georgia, I think that what you saw from that podium is a guy who has an elite understanding of what was being asked of him, um, you know, while he was playing at Georgia, and a guy that I think can engender that type of trust and leadership skills that you would like to see when you draft an edge rusher high. Somebody who's going to come in, be bought in, and do everything that you ask them to do. So if you're one of those three, four defensive types of teams who needs a guy who can rush a little bit, but you can use in versatile ways, dropping out into coverage and things like that, Nolan Smith will probably be somebody who really kind of confirmed what your priors were when you look at how he is on the field and then seeing him at the combine. I want to go ahead and jump in real quick and ask you, how important is it to use the combine to confirm what your priors already believed? Um, I think it, it fluctuates, right? Like, I will take – I will use Brian Brissett, the defensive tackle from Clemson, as an example. That's somebody I've kind of had under a microscope for a while, right? We're talking about a number one overall recruit in this class when he graduated from high school. You know, one of the first number one overall recruits that Clemson had gone and recruited and successfully brought into the program – you know, in a while, I think uh, they had an edge rusher back in 2008. Daquan Bowers, I think, was the last, like, number one overall recruit that they had brought in, right? So you come in with all these expectations. The guy is huge, 6'4", 6'5", 300-plus pounds, and they say he's supposed to be explosive, and he battles through these injuries. Obviously, there's a family tragedy with him losing a sibling, you know, to cancer um, in his last season at Clemson. But you turn on the tape, and you can see some flashes, but maybe not enough to have you bought all the way in. So I needed to see him at the combine, and then he comes in and weighs sub-300 pounds, which initially to me says, hey, there's been a heavy emphasis that he needs to go out and exercise those great movement skills in front of evaluators. And then he comes out and runs that sub-five flat 40. I think it was 488 or something in that, something in that range. So you go sub-49 in the 40, you show me that you can cut weight, and then I'm watching the position drills. I was actually at Lucas Oil for that, and I'm looking at how smoothly he's transitioning from one move to the next, or shuffling, hitting the ground, being able to change directions. Those are important moments. I think when you look at guys like Anthony Richardson, like as another example of somebody who kind of blew up the combine, if you turn on the tape and watch the guy run and move around, you see there's a 40-inch vertical there. You can see there's a 4-4-40 there. Getting the numbers is nice, and it ends up being great for TV because it's an excellent performance. But in terms of looking at his traits, 
I don't think there was any question. So I think it all kind of depends on who you are when you're moving into the process. And then the last guy I would bring up would be like Lucas Van Ness, who hasn't played a bunch as an edge rusher from Iowa. Doesn't play a bunch. They had a bunch of seniors along the defensive line, so he was almost like a pass rush specialist for them. So he needed this past week to go out and show, hey, at 270 pounds, I can run a near seven flat three cone. I can put up a good 40. You know, I got these expl- I can put up these explosion metrics that you need to see at that weight. And now the conversation with him is, might maybe use a project, but you can't really turn away from those traits if you're in that mid to late first round range because there is a chance that you could have something legitimate on your hands in Van Ness. So I think there's a sliding scale based on what people expect of you athletically and then what you've already put on tape on the way in. Yeah, you, Lucas Van Ness, that's who I was going to ask you about, but still keeping it on the edge, what do you, who do you think is projected maybe so much not that top first-hand talent or the mid to first round, but a day-two guy that could still be a contributor as a rookie coming off the edge? That's an interesting question. So for me, I, I think that, and, and it's not just this position, I think it's across the draft. I think if you're, if you're drafting in the top 16, you're really happy. And I think that every pick that you have from like 45 on, you should feel really interested about. It's so tricky to me with some of the day two guys that are in that kind of, you know, 20 to 40 range because I see that the outcomes can go in so many different ways. So I would say like, and this is where I think you have to lean on what guys' athletic traits are. So a Byron Young, for example, goes out and runs a sub four five forty, and you watch the tape and you see that he's got, you know, a little bit of that kind of tenacity that you want to see, you know, where maybe he can develop into being a secondary pass rusher. That's the type of guy that I look at and the first team I think about or the first guy I think about is D'Amico Ryans, right? And you think about all these secondary edge rushers that they had opposite Nick Bosa that you were able to maximize because they have those athletic gifts. So a guy like Byron Young is somebody I could certainly see, you know, in that day two range, maybe in the third round that you would be, that team should be interested in. Um, and then, you know, I don't know if he really projects to be a defensive end because of his weight. Um, but the defensive end from Northwestern, I really don't want to butcher his name. I want to, <laughs> I want to say it's Adebowore, if I remember right, is his last name. All right, but he goes out, he runs a 449 at 280 pounds. It has great explosion scores. You know, he goes out and shows extremely well. One of the best athletic performances, weight adjusted, that we've seen at the combine. A 161 10-yard split at that weight. Um, I'm looking now, he's got a vertical jump at about 38 inches. Like, that's, that's rarefied air that we're talking about. So, you get a guy like that who's got the weight but the athleticism where you can maybe move him around, that's exactly what you'd want to get in a third round or a second round prospect. It's somebody that you don't have to drop in and have him be a star right out the gate, but somebody who can develop and maybe halfway through the season, you've got a role carved out for him. You can drop him in on particular packages. He can grow into competing for starting reps, and maybe you get that growth kind of late into that first season of his. And it's not a, hey, we invested a first round pick in you we need you to start giving us immediate returns in order for us to maximize that pick. So I would say that those are the guys that are all along the defensive front that I'm most interested in. Got to take it back to the DBs and got to ask you, Riley Moss, do you think it's going to translate at the next level? I think so. You know, I think I tweeted out, you know, just kind of how it's just going to be humorous for me in a white corner, you know, having to go out there and I think kind of justify the way that he plays. If you turn on, what Iowa does defensively, I mean, they are an in-your-face quarters team. That's what they do. That's who they are. And they play a bit of cover three as well. But they really want to play physical coverage with you. They want to force you to play the ball way out on the perimeter or be tougher than them in the middle of the field. And Moss is somebody I've been watching since he was a freshman. You know, and he's basically always shown and proved that he can handle, 
you know, top level wide receivers, you know, throughout his career. And then he goes out and performs athletically at the level that he needs to, to really show that he belongs. So I would say that's the guy maybe you go grab round three, round four, if he's available is about where I have him graded. And that's somebody I think that because of his play style and his athletic ability, you might find a great steal in that if you can, you know, if you can grab a guy in that range. Talking all things combine right now with Deontay Lee from The Athletic here on Raider Nation Radio 920 and SA Rough. This, we're focusing on the defensive side of things and sticking with Iowa. How about linebacker Jack Campbell? What are your thoughts on him and what does he bring to a, to a team? Um, I will say I'm not as in love with this linebacker class as I was last year. What, okay. what that ultimately means, I don't know because I loved a lot of the guys in last year's class and I think that they all had a really steep learning curve. You look at Devin Lloyd, you look at Chad Muma in Jacksonville. Quay Walker took a little bit of time. Nicobe Dean really didn't play at all this past, that past year in 2022. So, you know, take what I take what I have to say with a grain of salt. I would say, I mean, Jack Campbell is probably, I would say, per size, I think he fits a little bit of that kind of old school, 250-plus pound middle linebacker type. So I think that for him, the biggest thing, you know, and I need to watch him more closely as we get closer to the draft process. But I think that with him, the question is going to be, same with Noah Sewell, is can these big bodies move in space when it's bootlegs, when it's over routes, and you've got these very athletic tight ends. You look at this tight end class, and it feels like everybody's 255 pounds and runs a 4-6 or better and can run good routes and have good hands. Well, that's just where the league is going right. in terms of those body types, those big skill guys. You've got to be able to move out the space with those players and be a thumper against the run. I've watched enough of Campbell to know that I'm comfortable with him as a tackler and as a run fitter. But, man, looking at what these very athletic uh, linebackers from last year and how they performed and the struggles that they had, it is going to be of the utmost priority to me that these guys who are not elite movers show that they have an elite feel for the game. And I don't know if Campbell is there yet, so I would say that that's probably somebody who is going to have to be kind of on a slow track to really be the level of contributor that you would want a middle linebacker to be. Before before we let you go, I wanted to ask about Jalen Carter, and you were there at the Combine, so you know how basically the Combine shut down when all the news about Jalen Carter happened. He right. went back to Georgia, came back to the Combine to his credit. How do you think, with still almost two months before the actual draft happens, how, how do you think that this, this situation affects his draft stock? I was talking about this with some of my colleagues, right? And you want to be delicate about this, right? And, right. And I want to almost have this conversation separate of the fact that, well, it's hard to have it, right, to parse parse it in this way because I think the way the NFL is going to think about this situation is almost separate from the fact that lives are lost and more just Mm -hmm. about his decision-making process, right? Um, And it's it's so crass to say, so I hate the fact that the words are leaving my lips because I don't want to be held responsible for it because I don't feel this way. But when I was in Indianapolis, the feel that I got was short of this being turned into a felony, as long as he went back and looked these teams in the eyes and said, hey, I messed up by not being as revealing as I needed to be, it was my bad not giving the police the entire story. When they asked me initially, I think that short of this you know, being escalated in terms of the charges that he's facing, mm-hmm. I don't know if it's going to affect his draft stock too much. You know, it's, it's an elite talent. You know, this is, this is something where I think there's enough lead time for him. And, and I hate saying this because it's so crass, but he's got one of the best agents in the business. This is something that can be managed from an image perspective. This is not me saying this. It's right. just the way that these things go. You know, um, I, I don't expect him to fall out of the top eight, if, if not the top five, mm-hmm. you know, because of what he is as a player. I think that 
it's going to be really difficult for NFL media to have a conversation about them because we all have to couch it in, regardless of how we feel about it. No indication from the NFL while we were there or since I've flown back and been tracking, you know, combine recaps has reflected any real long-term concern about who Carter is um, from a character perspective, not to the degree that it would significantly drop his draft stock right now. You know, I, so that's kind of the thing that I've been racking my brain about is how we handle a player in this scenario. Because, again, we always have to ground it in the fact that in this scenario, it is not just that he made a poor decision in racing on street roads, you know, racing in general, especially, you know, down, you know, a non-highway, having a teammate lose their life, having team personnel lose their lives in that car crash, and then him leaving the scene before eventually coming back and and giving a bit of testimony um, to police officers. It's just hard to see right now how this can ruin draft stock for him or cause a significant change if the NFL feels like he's being honest and if the Athens Police Department doesn't feel like moving forward and and charging him with the felony. You know, it's funny. You sound just like I did. I was in the barbershop and I was asked the same question and I had to basically word it the same way you worded it. And I was like, honestly, as as bad as it might sound or as sad as it might sound, I don't think he falls out of the top five. I think he's just going to be, because of his talent, as long as, like you said, it doesn't turn into something else bigger legally as far as, you know, like a felony. And this is not how I felt when the news first broke on Tuesday. I thought, oh, man, this guy is really going to take a big hit, and as he should because of everything that went on. And and all of a sudden it's like, well, it's only two misdemeanors. And as soon as you heard the well, it's only, I was like, okay. (laughs) That lets you know where everybody's mind is at, man. It, It doesn't, it never feels good to say that, right. but this is just the truth of the way that this business works, man. If you can play, they want you to play play with their helmets on, man. Like, yep. It just kind of is what it is. He's a very valuable player. What he is on the field is obviously a maybe, a maybe a generational level of prospect. And at the end of the day, like you said, knowing how shrewd this league can be, it's two misdemeanor counts that I am positive he is going to try to find the most amicable way to resolve this scenario, you know, and they're going to find a way to manage this image. And at the end of the day, if the NFL wants you to be a top five pick, you will be a top five pick and they will deal with the blowback. We saw it with the Deshaun Watson trade last year. Yeah. If you can get through that from an image perspective, I have no reason to believe that anybody is going to bat an eye for a guy having a couple of misdemeanor counts of reckless driving and racing. I hate that that's the truth, but it's just the truth. Simple. Simple as that. Deontay, let's end on a lighter note here. <laughs> I know that the food was good in Indianapolis, all the great steak. You went all the way St. Elmo, <laughs> St. Elmo's as specific. But I want to, because Q, I want to get your take on this too. Deontay, did you okay. eat the shrimp that was being passed out oh, at geez. 10 a.m. the other day? Oh, come on, dog. Come on, man. <laughs> this is me you're talking to. This is me you're talking to. I don't know if I would have put any at that day, that morning, I don't know if I would have put any food in my mouth, let alone some mild shrimp, and some cocktail sauce. No thanks. My stomach didn't need that. I I had plenty of fun in Indianapolis, and that would have been a sharp reminder of what the consequences of all that fun would have been if I would have put some shrimp in my mouth at that hour, you know, deep into the week in Indianapolis. So great food. I got nothing bad to say about the shrimp cocktail, and the St. Elmo's cocktail sauce is legitimately one of the better things that I've had um, from a food perspective. But the people who were grabbing them shrimps off the plate – in the media room, sickos, all of them. My all bad. Them. <laughs> Sicko number one is across from me right now. Sicko number one, I must identify myself. 
I had no idea, Deontay. <laughs> I had no idea what I was setting myself up for. They 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 walked around with the shrimp. They're like, hey, do you want some? And I was like, yeah, sure. And so I grabbed it, and then immediately, like, eight cameras got in my face. And I was thinking, wait a minute. What is going on here? Am I on? Am I getting punked? Am I on cheaters? What is going? You know what I mean? Like, what is going no, on right no, that's, now? <laughs> that's, a, that's a law enforcement. You're under surveillance from this point on. Man. Right. Exactly. Done. <laughs> oh man, that when I bit into that thing, I put the whole thing in my mouth not knowing, and it felt like something was running up my face. Like it felt like I had a pack of wolves inside my face and they were just running up oh, it. Yeah. It was ridiculous. Oh. <laughs> the, the number one, the best piece of advice I've gotten in the two combines I've gone to is if you have that shrimp cocktail sauce, do not inhale after you bite. Because it's bad news. It's going to hurt no matter what. But yep. do not breathe in as you're taking all that horseradish down. Yeah, That's well, idea. I needed to have this conversation before I did that. So uh, we're a little <laughs> bit late on that. But now I know. <laughs> now, oh, man. Now, love, guys, I appreciate y'all. Hey, what do you got coming out on The Athletic that we should be on the lookout for? Um, this week, I'm going to do a little bit of film review, you know, kind of back to what we were talking about, looking at guys closer after their combine performance. So Van Ness is somebody I'm interested in. Um, obviously, I'll be looking at the Northwestern defensive end slash defensive tackle, kind of hybrid guy. Um, and Tui Tua Pelotu, you know, who was right up the road from me at USC. You know, he cut a lot of weight. He was listed as 285, 290, I think, by USC. Shows up at the combine at 266 pounds. Um, and I think that athletically, you would expect a guy who shows up at that weight to perform a certain way. He's a great hand fighter, got a lot of good tape, but I think that there are going to be questions about whether or not he's a good enough athlete to really be able to play full-time on the edge. So that's something I kind of want to dig into is what it might look for him, look like for him at the NFL level at this weight. There it is. Well, great stuff as always, Deontay. It's so good to catch up with you. I appreciate you. I know you had a great time in Indy, as I did too, outside of eating that shrimp, but uh, everything else was good. So thanks so much for your time, brother. Absolutely. Love y'all. Y'all have a good one. All right, you too. There he goes. Deontay Lee, fantastic stuff right there from The Athletic, talking all things defense. I mean, if we didn't get it covered today, this is how we come in, man. Guns blazing, right? We come in, get the offense in hour number one, get the defense in hour number two, cover a whole lot of ground there with Deontay. I thought that was great stuff. Before we close out the hour, though, I did want to hit a couple texts that we got on our don'tbebroke.com text line, and you can chime in on the show at any time at 69187, keyword R&R. Again, that's the don'tbebroke.com text line. Our phone lines when we don't have a guest is 702-365-9200. How about this one? Raiders priorities at quarterback should be one, Anthony Richardson, two, C.J. Stroud, three, Jarrett Stidham. In a division with Mahomes and Herbert, you got to swing for the fences and take a chance with uh, Anthony Richardson. C.J. is a quarterback to get excited about, too, but he'll be a pocket passer just like Carr. Thank you so much for that text. And I say this, I know that he's a pocket passer when it talked about C.J., but I don't think he's going to hesitate to run. And if you remember, early in Carr's career, he wasn't hesitant to run either. He only hesitated to start running after his injury in 2016. For the most part, I mean, there's times he's going to New Orleans. Remember there was a time when he ran all the way down the sideline on the Saints sideline and did a somersault and everyone thought, whoa, hey, don't do that. Don't hurt yourself. And he was all about it. He got up pumping first down and all that good stuff. He used to run. There was a time when he had no problem getting out of the pocket and running. Later on after that injury, he stopped doing that. I think CJ would do something that Tom Brady did really well, and I'm not comparing the two, but Tom Brady would slide in the pocket and give himself another opportunity to, you know, to re, reposition himself and throw the ball. I think that's what C.J. Stroud would do. Anthony Richardson, hell of an athlete. 
Hell of a runner. I think that he could be an absolute monster as far as an animal goes and as far as a franchise quarterback, but he's going to have to take time to develop. And I don't know if the Raiders are going to have the patience and the time to develop him, but that's just me. 355 is the time. Keep it coming, though. Has your feelings changed on who the Raiders' starting quarterback should be in 2023 based off the quarterback or at least who the quarterback of the future should be? And is there a defensive player that you were looking at that you thought, that would be a hell of an addition for the Silver and Black. Let us know about it. Coming up next, to start off hour number three of the show, we'll talk a little college hoops. Coach Scott Spinelli, former basketball head coach. He's now a basketball analyst, part of the Believe Podcast Network. He'll join the show. It's Rare Nation Radio 920.